Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. As is my seeming tagline, once again, this is the B&E Podcast doing our not-so-serious thing today, where we have no set topic coming in. We just begin, and something magical happens. (laughs) (laughs) And it's happened every single time. Every single time. (laughs) At least we think so. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's, uh, so we launched the podcast officially a week ago Yep. and, um, one week, you know, is a thousand people have listened to the podcast in this first opening week, which is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, we'll see what happens and where we progress, but we have a lot more podcasts to release. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's been, uh, quite an experience. It's been really interesting too. Um, on my end, it's brought a lot of my, um, artistic community together just, um, you know, because people kind of have something to talk about and something to share. And, and, uh, that's, that's the goal, man. I mean, I think that's the best thing. If any of these start getting people talking and start getting people connecting and sharing it with each other, I mean, that's the whole goal. I think it's amazing. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, we're still very early into this, even though that that seems kind of almost strange to say. Yeah that we're early into this because we've been working at this for a long time. Yeah. Um, Please. and I'm still surprised right now, just as I'm, uh, I'm talking to people about it. I'm still surprised at, at how, you know, perfect strangers are super stoked on, on a podcast they've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. That just blows my mind. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but it just does. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You know, I was actually talking to, um, uh, a man I know, he's a mechanic and I was telling him a bit about the podcast and he was saying, he's like, you know, he's like this at, he's like, it's so interesting how you guys talk about artistry and, and how you, you bring it into industry because you know, there's, there's art and creativity in what I do. And you know, what separates, um, one person's business from another business and uh, people don't think about that. And he's like, you know, he's like, I really like that idea that you guys, you know, are, are taking art and, and kind of showing, or at least trying to have discussions about how it's actually involved in other things. Because I think, um, a lot of people, they might think of a mechanic or they think of someone in some other job and they think, you know, they're just a, they just have a technical job to do. And there's a lot of creativity that goes into it, you know, and, and there's creativity in a lot of what we do. And I think people in general, I think we're dying to express our creativity. We're dying to express our, our sense of, you know, expression. Yeah. And, um, we don't always have the, the, the best mediums for that, but I think there's a lot of ways in which we can actually put our signature and our own voice into things. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and a book that I've been talking about a lot, the last couple of podcasts, if you've been listening to the last few, um, it's Thomas More's care of the soul, which is, you might be sick of me talking about this book, but I'm, I'm still like, I'm just kind of chipping away like bit by bit at this book and I'm almost finished now. Um, but just this morning I was, I was going through it and, uh, and it was just this amazing chapter. And, 
you would have liked it because he, he got into some education system. Oh, yeah, yeah, right on. <laughs> and basically saying, it's like, you know, it's like there's a huge sort of, there's a, you know, kind of like a disease in our, not in a lot of our systems, you know, he's talking about, but in education is like, it's, was just one of the many examples that he was given, but he was saying, we train people in, you know, data and information. says, and there's absolutely no creative creativity and imagination that is being like really, really supported and mm-hmm. really being considered something that is important for our education. And right. I think, I think now people are starting to figure it out for themselves that this kind of shit is important. And like many, like many, many, many situations, it's the people who always ultimately end up dictating where things need to go. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Like, um, I, you know, I, I think a lot about the education system because I, you know, I feel like I harp on it a lot and obviously it does a lot of good. I mean, it, ed- people get educated and they become functional in society. And, um, obviously a lot of our systems work because people are educated and because teachers are willing to show up and, and do this. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot of good in it. Um, oh yeah. I, and I don't want to say that it's bad. I harp on it, by the way, if you're new to this podcast, I harp on it pretty much every other one, but so I'm, <laughs> I, you know, so I'm throwing, I'm throwing a few back cause I could see some, you know, some people kind of saying, you know, uh, and, and obviously we just launched the podcast, so we don't really know what the feedback is going to be yeah. about certain things, but I could see people kind of giving feedback and saying, well, you know, the, uh, the education system is good because of this, this, and this, and mm. like, you know, maybe you're taking a lot for granted. And I, I agree. Yeah. In certain ways I probably am. But my, my idea is not that the education in itself is bad, but just that it's limited. And it's so limited that what's happening is we're coming out limited because of it. And it gives us, um, a a kind of a base, but there's certain programming in the model of it. That's a problem. Mm -hmm. There's this, um, term I learned the other day, uh, um, called it's a student is called ODD. They have oppositional defiance disorder. It's what they call it. Oppositional defiance disorder. Yeah. So this sounds like a huge piece of bullshit yeah. to me, but go ahead, right. please continue. Well, it is right. Because what happens is you have teachers and you have authority figures and whatnot who want students to follow in line. They want them to follow in tow and do what you're told and, and listen, but the teacher hasn't earned the student listening to them. They, the, te- the student might not have their respect. So a student that has oppositional defiance disorder, they call it a disorder, but it might just be a student who's just like, actually challenging authority and checking in and kind of trying to figure out like, well, you know, just cause you tell me to do it. I don't know if I actually have to do it. Right. So now you got school systems that are dealing with ODD as a disorder, as opposed to like that, the students actually critically thinking that's what's mm-hmm. actually happening. You know, it's, so you just very, don't have a place for people like that, which right. is why it's, it, and it's unfortunate because then people like that kind of get singled out and snubbed out exactly. and labeled a problem. Whereas right. it's like, you know, if, if the, some of the systems that are in place were a little bit different, um, there, there could be a place where this person's like, okay, like you've shown like not just your ability to critically think, but your 
ability to, but skills in terms of like standing up and saying something and like certain, certain other qualities that are not necessarily of the academic world, but characteristics, which can be nurtured in a healthy way. Yeah. Cause like anything, there's, there's things that can be good and bad. Like, uh, we talked about perfectionism a little while ago, so I'll just use this, but being a perfectionist, right? Well, there's, it's not entirely bad, you know, being a, being a perfectionist can it like for somebody who's just innately like that, it can end up lending itself to somebody who has just like a little extra touch on all of the work that they do. There's just like a little, but it can also become a problem. Just like somebody standing up and disrupting class all the time. That's not great either, but somebody who has an ability to, to channel that in another way, that's not disruptive to other people, but you know, is constructive. That's, but there's not really uh, a channel for people like that coming, coming up through the school system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you're made to feel bad and guilty for it. And then you end up suppressing something that the world actually really needs. Right. Yeah. You know, the ability to question and say, no, I mean, just look at, I mean, look at a, you know, look at the States right now. I mean, look at the, the options that people have for government. I mean, you know, like a lot of people are not happy with it. And, you know, and, and there's kind of this, you know, you just accept what you're given, um, kind of model. And and instead of everyone going like, you know, there's so many people will be like, Oh, I don't like this person or this person. But instead of, instead of actually doing anything about it, they just go, I'm just not going to vote. It's like, well, that's like, that's basically just stepping back and saying it is what it is. And I'm, and I have no power over it. Right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to saying like, well, I'll just vote for the lesser evil or, or whatever. But really like if we were critical thinkers as a society, we would bond together and we would say, you know what? Clearly the system is not working. Yeah. Let's change it. And let's not even go through this electoral process right now, because clearly right now, whatever we did to get to this point is not working. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Joe Rogan does a stand up thing right now. And, I, um, it's a, it's a recent one that just came up. It's called, um, uh, triggered. And uh, he talks about, where did that come up on? It just popped up on Netflix. And, oh yeah, man. I, just, I, I can't wait so to see good. it. I love Joe Rogan's yeah. stuff. Yeah. And he's so smart, right? Um, he has a podcast too, by the way, if you're interested in that. Um, but he <laughs> talks, you don't know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got one of the, like the, probably the yeah. biggest podcasts out there. Well, I guess if you're new to podcasting, you know, yeah. if maybe somehow we encouraged you and you are finding out Joe Rogan might be a good podcast to check out. Joe you know? Rogan was probably one of those guys who is, who would have been labeled ODD. Yeah. In school. Totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think I was ODD too. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so anyway, he talks about this one point where he's saying like, you know, a president, he's like, it's good when you have like 50 people. It's like, okay, that guy's the best. He's the president. He's going to, or she's going to kind of guide us and we're going to do this. But it's like, there's like 300 million people in the States. It's like, I don't even know where my daughters are right now. He's like, how does this guy know where the, or this person know where like 300,000 people are, you know? Yeah. And so there's kind of this, we have this very, um, almost archaic model of leadership and government. And in a lot of ways, the reason why it's archaic and he didn't go into this, but I just want to make this point instead of us governing ourselves, we have one person governing everybody. But like in modern society, what we, we don't need that. What we need is we need people governing like 
each other, ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, we need actually, um, we don't need police. What we need is people to actually uphold morals and ethics because our society has become so big now that like the police can't be everywhere and the government can't oversee everything and all the little details. So we actually need people to take ownership and be leaders and, and kind of, um, not take authority because I'm in the position of being a police officer, but like I uphold the same things the police officer would uphold because I believe in the good thing the police officer is upholding. I don't need the badge and the uniform Mm -hmm. to like, you know, now I'm not saying we should all carry guns and run into gunfights and stuff. (laughs) I'm not saying that. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that people like, so when you, when you take like the school system right now, students don't govern themselves and we don't teach students to govern themselves so much. Mm-hmm. We actually teach them to watch out for authority. You know, as long as the teachers or the monitors or whatever are not looking, yeah. you can do what you want to do as opposed to like, right. why shouldn't you do this thing? Like why, why does this maybe hurt our whole school or our whole community? Right. You know, that type of thing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You, I mean, that's, man, that's a, that's a huge can of worms right there. That well, we can get into it. We can. We still got time, man. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, because, <laughs> I mean, there's, and that's because the thing is, is that that's not necessarily the easy way to do it. But I do think that that is probably the best approach moving forward because yeah, I mean, it's, it's the system that's basically like, well, you do what you're supposed to do because somebody's watching, you know? Right. And, and that is, man, that is a huge, um, sort of thing that permeates our entire culture. doesn't matter what, what age, what, what level you're at. Like there's somebody watching you. Yeah. There's somebody who's watching you. Even Santa Claus is watching. Yeah. Right. Like even like when nobody's watching you, somebody's watching you. (laughs) Right. And it's just like, Hey, you're going to get it. Yeah. Right. This whole, um, uh, sort of punishment culture. Yeah. Uh, that, that we have and, and we could trace that a long, 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 long way back throughout human history. But for now, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's this whole thing of, it's like, oh, well, someone's watching you until, but then it also says, cause then that just means like, well, don't get caught. Yeah. You know, and we can see how that works itself through society as well. And, and we're indoctrinated into that kind of behavior from such an early age before we even get into the school system. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. And it's this whole thing. It's like, well, be, you know, be good or else, right. Be good or else, be good or else, be good mm-hmm. or else. Uh, as opposed to actually trying to show people and show kids, you know, why it's a good thing to have a certain set of ethics, you know, why it's a good thing to, treat others well. <laughs> right. Right. Like why it's a good thing to, to do like, because there's nothing necessarily wrong with a lot of what these things are in place to uphold, but there's kind of this lazy approach to it. I, George Carlin had this famous bit about rules, um, and rules. I he had this one, like with parents, the kinds of rules that they would give you as a kid. And it was like, and he said, basically this, he went into when your parents say, it's like, well, it's like, why shouldn't I do that? Because I told you so. Right. Right. And he's like the, because I told you so it's like, 
first sign of a really stupid rule. Right. Right? Um, but, I mean, that's, I don't think that's necessarily always the case. I think sometimes there are good reasons for certain things, but nobody just wants, sometimes nobody really wants to explain it. Well, that's the right? thing. I mean, they, you know, I think usually if someone tells you not to do something or to do something, if you trace it all the way back and you start to kind of figure out the reason, you know, for the most part, usually there's a good reason. I think sometimes the reason is held in place because of just laziness or sometimes it's there because of a manipulation Yeah. But because we never check back. We don't really know. Right. And, um, you know, uh, it, it comes down to certain, certain things come down to intent too. Like mm-hmm. for example, um, you know, don't, don't make that noise or don't do that thing. Well, well, why, um, might be because, well, you're disturbing everybody and everybody's trying to, you know, do their work here. Maybe you're in the library, maybe you're in a certain situation, or maybe someone's up on stage and you're in the audience talking. I mean, we need people to understand like, you know, that there's effects right to the, to their actions and, yeah. their, and their action, whether they want to do it or not, might be disruptive to everyone else's experience. And that's mm-hmm. not good. It's damaging. Yeah. But then there's also like, don't be loud because I'm uncomfortable with you being loud. And it's like, well, basically now when someone enforces that rule, cause they're uncomfortable now they're, they're basically they're enforcing rules based on trying to maintain their own comfort mm-hmm. as opposed to like learning tolerance and learning how to deal with it. And we're running into this problem right now in society, in my opinion, and it's affecting artists. It's affecting comedians particularly where it's like, don't offend anybody. And there's a bunch of comedians who have spoke up recently about it. And they've said like, don't offend anybody. Like it's your problem that you're offended. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not like, because this person said this thing or did this thing, that's not really the problem. The problem is, is that you're offended by it and you're offended by the fact that you're offended. And, and you don't like, if we walk around and we create a society where everybody's got to feel good all the time and no one can be offended and everybody's just got to like, we got to, we're walking on eggshells. I mean, we're never going to have any type of artistry, any type of expression. We're never going to challenge any ideas, right? Challenge any rules and stuff because there are so many rules. Oh, this is interesting where this has gone. I was like, where is this? Where is this one (laughs) going to end up going? But yeah, challenging rules, man, like really, really challenging the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's just because there's so many stupid ones. There's like so many stupid rules and stupid ideas. And, and yeah, this whole thing of, you know, the, like politically correct and, and all of that nonsense, you know, it's like, sometimes it's, it, it is quite silly and, the, and comedians, that's, it's a real travesty when it happens to comedians when comedians are being told that kind of shit, because if anybody's supposed to be the one to like, to question, you know, these, these types of things and these limitations and these rules. And because so many of them, like, well, they're just kind of made up. Yeah. You're just kind of made up because somebody, yeah, like, oh, well, this is maybe offensive to somebody. Yeah. Is it? Why is it? Like, why do we even care right. about so much of this shit, you know? And it's like so, so often with a lot of these um, social stigmas that we carry and like these, uh, 
I don't know, these just conventions of society and, and our rules, like even if they're not a law, but we say, well, you know, you're just not supposed to do that because, you know, we're, we've all been told not, not to do that. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it's, it's, well, who gives a shit, right? Yeah. Like if, especially <laughs> if nobody's getting actually hurt by it sometimes, and I even catch myself like, um, like just the other night I, I, I caught myself getting just kind of like bothered by, um, somebody singing. Right. You know, like I was, I was in this room with, and it was perfectly fine for them to be singing, but like, I, it was just some notion I had in my head. It's like, oh, well, you know, like we're all here in this space and it's like, you know, maybe it would be best if everyone was just kind of quiet and be allowed (laughs) to have their own space. Right. And I'm like, well, I can still have my own space and this woman can still sing her song. Like it really actually wasn't that crazy. There was music playing. She was just kind of singing with it. Yeah. And so I, I just, it was an interesting thing for me to come up against and, and just go, Oh, well that, because I have some idea that she's not supposed to do that. Well, and I right? would, I wouldn't be, I don't want to cut you off, but I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in your life, when you were younger, you tried to express yourself that way and were maybe shut down. And so then, yeah. Right. And so now what happens is you don't even recognize it, but the moment comes up and now you go, well, I wasn't allowed to do it. So you're not allowed to do it. You know what yeah. I mean? And in a weird way, you don't even tied to that same incident, but like there's, yeah. because I think that's the thing is like, you know, this is the problem with kind of the way we're educated is that it obviously works in a lot of ways, but in other ways you could argue it doesn't, but it, 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 it's limiting because, because we're told what to do without really having good reasons behind it. And, uh, we're, we're basically told we have a disorder. If we question authority mm-hmm. now, what ends up happening is you have people, um, don't want to question authority and they kind of just follow the rules. And Joe Rogan was actually pointing out this thing. He's like, you got to think about it. Like we're going through life. You're basically just a calculating machine. You, you go through life and you do something and, and nobody likes it. People don't like it. So you go, I'm not going to do that anymore. I don't want to feel that anymore. And then you do something else and people like it. So you go, I'm going to do more of that. People seem to like that. And so we're constantly calculating as we mm-hmm. go through life. And, and we're, we're, we're calculating these things because we've been told and, and we've been honed into calculating to try and keep you know, to basically get things through people. And like, we calculate like, oh, well, you know, this thing works and this thing doesn't work. So I'll do more of this and less of that and whatever. And, um, the problem is that when we make that like the highest value, I mean, I, it's a good skill to be able to recognize when things are disruptive and and things and things are good. But at the same time, sometimes, you know, the people that are giving you the feedback, are just as rule bound and, and stuck in their own like, um, programming as well. And you, you can't break out because you all reinforce each other. And I say, we all reinforce each other. So what I think what artists do and comedians, especially is we make, we, we take a rule and, uh, we make it funny and we laugh at it and we go, yeah, that is pretty silly, isn't it? Why do we do that? Yeah. Wait, maybe we won't do that anymore. You know, that's kind of stupid. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because there's so many of these things in, in our society. I mean, like, I think a lot of laws actually are there in terms of protection for people, but I mean, it's, it's when it, you really get into these societal norms because I don't know, maybe it's just me recently, but I've just, I've just been 
been really thinking a lot about this sort of this sort of subject in in terms of it's like well why do we even why do we even give a shit about so much of the stuff that we get so worked up about mm-hmm. you know like I don't even know if we know why we get worked up about them we're we're just it's just ingrained in us from such a such an early age um to feel certain ways about certain things and I mean, the thing is, is that I think we've got so, so many people are walking around. Most of us are walking around and we've been so boxed up. You know, I think that so much of us, we've been, we've been raised inside of a box and you fit in this box, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is placed in the, in the appropriate spot. And, and, but we have so much and, you know, they say that, that some people are getting, there's more of these diagnoses of like, you know, um, um, like, disorders a, like a, and stuff? yeah, like, yeah. um, uh, attention deficit and stuff. And people oh, are like, yeah. like, Oh, it's, it's all bullshit and blah, blah, blah. I don't necessarily know if it's all bullshit, but I think, I think that there could be a lot of people who are suffering from these types of, these types of symptoms. But I think that's because of, the way that we are going about things. Like mm-hmm. you've got, when you, when you keep boxing people up into such a small space of who, who they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to do in their lives. I mean, it's, to me, it's not a big surprise that people start having these really kind of bizarre, um, outbursts and these weird symptoms and these weird, you know, um, uh, fetishes or what have you, right? Like it's, right. it, it seems perfectly normal to me because it's a lack of expression of sorts. There's things that have not been allowed to be expressed. There's things that have not been allowed to, um, have sort of a light shone on them. And it just creates a worse condition than what would be there. So for me, a lot of this, these sort of rules that we've sort of put onto the world and that we've put onto each other and put onto ourselves, I mean, who gives a shit? Yeah. Who gives a shit to a large degree? I mean, like, listen, like we're, we're here for however long we're here. Like nobody really knows what the hell's going on here. Yeah. (laughs) You know, in this life. And it's like, we have to find a way to sort of be in this world and to, to be happy and to express ourselves, you know, and that, and yes, we've had some really good ideas that have come along through time where it's like, yeah, no, like killing other people is bad. You know, like raping other people is fucking bad. You know, Mm -hmm. like don't do this shit. It's not healthy for anybody. Mm -hmm. It's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for us at all. Right. So these are some good ideas that we have, but if we can, and to get back to where a lot of this began, it's like instilling a sense of ethics, but we're kind of told to believe that it's like, Oh, without all of these, these things in place, the world's just going to go to shit. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't think so. Yeah. I really don't think so. I think that in a lot of ways, all of this repression makes a lot of it worse. And it makes us think that we need to have all of these things yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think it's, um, you said like all of this repression, I think it's when we take, um, when we take things beyond very simple 
like when we try to make rules beyond rules to rules to rules, like it's like, I have a rule, but that rule isn't refined enough. So let's make several other rules to refine that rule. And then you know what, those several other rules aren't refined enough. So let's make several others around those. And then what ends up happening is you got all these rules. And I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because like in, in, uh, in law, they say like, ignorance is no excuse for the law. Like, you know, if you do something bad, right. But the thing Mm -hmm. is, there's so many, there's so many rules you know, we don't know them all. We don't know all the rules. Yeah. And so we're constantly walking around trying to figure out what all these rules are. And most of them are stupid and arbitrary and like pointless. And like, you know, I think things need to be broken down to simple, really simple, fundamental things, you know, like for example, you know, um, uh, my friend Megan, she, she, uh, she has this, she teaches like, you know, kindergarten kids and stuff like that. Right. But her role is, you know, don't, don't hurt yourself don't hurt anyone else and don't break my stuff. Right. And if everybody walked around with those, basically those three rules, we'd all be pretty much fine. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt anyone else. And don't break anyone else's stuff. You know? And the thing is, is like, if you're going to bend on any of those, you know, you know, you hurt yourself. Okay. It's not great. Whatever. It's you fine. Okay. Um, if you're going to break your own stuff, okay, fine. It's your stuff. You know, you own it. But when you start hurting other people and you start breaking their stuff, that's when we start to have problems. I mean, that's as simple as it is. It really, you know, in every rule basically that doesn't like kind of align with that as far as like public yeah. safety and public community. I mean, we start to get into stuff that's like, like, what is it an inconvenience for you? It's uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like there's a, there's kind of like a, like, a, um, you know, I think society has this whole thing going on too, where it's like, you know, just being offended is like, you hurt me. It's like, grow up, you know, like you're offended. It means that you need to evolve. It doesn't mean that this thing out here needs to evolve. If you're offended, nothing happened other than inside of you, you have a problem. Like, you know, like if, um, you know, someone uses a racial term or someone calls you a name in school that shouldn't hurt us. It really shouldn't hurt us. It shouldn't matter. But we're taught that, that names and stuff and and things like this matter. Now I was a kid that was bullied and it hurt me a lot to be bullied. It hurt me to be called names. It hurt me, hurt me to be excluded from the group, but it was because I was indoctrinated into a system where I believed I need to be accepted by these people. Mm. I don't, you know, I don't, I I don't know what most of those people are doing with their life right now. And, and I, and a lot of the people that I've run into who I've went to school with, I wouldn't want to spend time with them. I wouldn't want to hang out with them. They don't align with my values. Why did I care if they liked me or not? Why did I care what they thought of me? It doesn't matter. But we're, we're kind of taught that we need to do what the group does. You know, we're, and and it's, it's the problem is the model of thought, right? Mm -hmm. And, and this, I want to come back to this you know, oppositional defiance disorder. Like, okay, maybe, maybe disorder is not a bad word. You know, like we use disorder, like, oh, you have a disorder. You don't fit in with everyone else. Yeah. But who says your order is any good? If you're a Nazi, that's your order. Is that good? If I have a disorder from the Nazi, then that's a good thing. You know what I mean? But society's like this all the time. We, we, we talk about the order, like the order is a good thing. Oh, and and it takes people to start challenging these things, right? Like there was, there was a time when, um, when slavery was, was that was the order. That was the order. That was just the way things were. And it's like, until somebody said like, Hey, no, you know, this is kind of fucked up. Right. 
And, and then suddenly people started going, oh, geez, that is kind of fucked up, you know? <laughs> and then they went to war over it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, like, like, history has shown this over and over and over and totally. over again, like, yeah. where it's just... And it takes people to to say something and to challenge these things or, and you know, they're not necessarily something as, as poignant and like, you know, um, I just like in terms of something that is as obviously harmful as something like slavery. Um, but you know, there's all of these little things all over the place that, uh, that just, make no sense when you really get down to the bottom of it. Right. And you just go, it's like, well, why do, why do we even follow this thing? Like, what does it do? What is, how does it even serve us? Mm-hmm. Right. And so much of it just really, so much of these rules I find just are inhibitors to us. That's all they do. Right. That's all they do is they just inhibit us. They just prevent us from kind of being who we are right. fully and completely. And I guess this is where it's heading into artistry now. I'm like, how is this like, like, yeah, I'm I'm like, I could see how this fits for artistry because I think, you know, as we've discussed, like a huge part of being an artist is really getting in touch with who you are, you know, getting in touch with right now. An artist is to be an artist is a disorder. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. To be an artist in this world today in the first world is a disorder. So, you know, cause not everybody does it. And people look at artists like, like, oh, oh, okay. Good luck with that. You know, hopefully you make it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's like, cause everybody else has a nine to five job. Everyone else, you know, here's another thing that's an, that's an order of our world, which I totally disagree with, but yet we're, we're still stuck in that model. And I think one day it will change because robots are going to take over. Like technology is going to take over. But right now we have people basically, they believe that the way you make money is you trade your time for your money it's the most archaic way of thinking. Like really like a, a intelligent person or an evolved person trades their value for their money. They trade the value they can create for their money. Mm-hmm. They don't trade their time because time runs out. Like eventually you're dead until we live forever. Then maybe we can start to maybe like reevaluate that but right now. <laughs> like yeah. why would you trade away your most valuable resource, which is time to make money, to have shit you don't need. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so crazy, but we've been, we've been indoctrinated into yeah. it. Right? I constantly tell people to work less. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I constantly tell yeah. people to work less. I, I you tell have a really good point on this. You should share that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I tell, tell people like the least amount that you can work like, and this is what I mean. This is in sense, like, um, for people who are working, like, what do you say? Like a quote unquote Joe job. Yeah right? Like you're, you're just doing something. This isn't really what you want to do, but you know, like it's paying the bills, it's keeping, you know, food on the table and and whatever. Like that's like, I'm not going to argue against that. You know what? That's freaking fantastic. You need to have your survival needs met before you can think about doing anything else. Mm -hmm. Like that is like without question, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put any sort of totally doubt on that. Um, but the thing is, is that there is this stigma that you have to be working a shit ton in order to be a, a valuable member of society. Right. And otherwise you're lazy. Or otherwise something. you're lazy or something. But like, I, I constantly, like I, I meet so many people who have passions for other things 
and they're so exhausted because they're working five days a week at a job that they don't really care about. And it's just taxing them. It's draining them. You know, they're working a full-time job while trying to pursue their passion on the side. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, you would be so surprised. I tell these people, you'd be so surprised at how much you can do like without, like in terms of like, like finances, right? Like it's like, you know what, work as much as, as what meets your needs, Mm -hmm. right? Like if you can pay your rent, you can pay your bills and you can, and you can eat, then that is what you should just aim for. Like simplify yourself. And then you can free up a couple of days out of your week to actually pursue something that you really care about to, to actually have your time. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's so strange because people are so resistant to it. Well, yeah, people are so resistant to, to that whole notion. We bought into like, um, lifestyle comforts and, you know, it's interesting because I remember (laughs) a couple years ago or whatever, when you made that shift where you like, you know what, I'm going to take a couple days, you know, less of work or whatever you were doing. Um, and and, you know, I, I noticed that you became a lot more joyful. You started writing more. I mean, since then you wrote a whole other script. You, you wrote a book. You, you've done like so many other things. You started this podcast with me. We rewrote drafts of another script we're doing. Yeah. Um, you rewrote the, the feature that we're shooting next year. You know, like there's so much stuff you've done. And yet I like, it seems like you're getting by just fine. <laughs> I mean, which is funny because you yeah. you know, you shared at one point, it's like, yeah, I just adapted. I realized that I didn't need to put money into certain things I was putting money into. And, um, you also pointed out to me at one point, this is something that stood out to me was that there was people who you worked with who worked all the time, but like they would have no money to show for it at the end of the day. And like, how is that possible? Cause you're working like, like yeah. a fraction of the time compared to them. But, um, you know, I think that's because, we, when making more money doesn't necessarily mean that you have more money. That's the, that's yeah. the, that's the bill of goods we've been sold, which isn't and, really true. And the thing we is just find a way to spend it. Yeah. And exactly. And the thing is, is that this is another thing that we, this is another thing that we have bought into. And we've talked about, you know, this whole materialism thing as well, which is also a thing to be very wary of, like just as a person. Yeah. Um, but as artists really like, it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous thing to get involved with. And this is not to say that there's anything wrong with having stuff, but when your entire, um, reason for being and doing anything in this world is just for stuff. I mean, you're now you're just pursuing a life of trying to acquire comforts mm-hmm. and it's, you know what? I'm just going to say it. It's a meaningless existence. Yeah. There, it, there's, it's completely meaningless because all this shit's going to be gone one day. You you know, like they, my dad always used to say, you can't take it with you. Yeah. Right. Like, and you can't, you you know, like, and, and it will all depreciate and depreciates and it'll be gone. It'll be like in, in, you know, several generations, you know, time it will be in like a landfill or it'll be just, it'll be disintegrated into nothing. And but we, we pursue these things over and over and over and over again. We're just like, Oh yeah, I gotta get, get, gotta get, gotta get, gotta get, gotta get. And we spend, we're just, we're so occupied with distraction. We're Mm -hmm. so occupied with these, uh, attachments to, to material things. And so, yeah, you, you earn all of this money and now it's like, well, we have goal. I've just got to get more of this stuff, more of this stuff, more of this stuff, more of this stuff, more of this stuff. 
and it's yeah. endless and it's endless. And the next thing you know, yeah, you've got nothing to show for it. And it's, it's been real. It was, it's really interesting what happened when, when I had done that and realized that I don't even know if I necessarily, I'm, I'm just starting to realize how, how much of an effect that's had. Mm-hmm. Right. When I had made that decision to like, okay, you know, like, yeah, I've got to pay the bills and, and whatever, but to say like, okay, this is becoming a small part of my life and I'm just going to figure it out. I'm just going to figure out how to get, get by with less. And yeah, you know, I don't buy as much shit as I used to, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like, I don't, and I, I maybe don't go out as much as I, as I used to, to buy more shit, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and there's, there's something to be said for an experience and going out and, you know, partaking yeah. in the world, but that doesn't always necessarily have a monetary value to it either. Like, but we sometimes get attached to that as well, where it's like, Oh, we've got, got to go out. Well, I've got to do something where I spend money. Yeah. And like, we're just like, we're in this, like, well, you need money to, to do anything. Right. right. And it's like, well, you don't really need money to do anything. And sometimes you've got to question why you even want to do the thing in the first place, because so much of it is distraction distraction, distraction, distraction. And it's like, well, now you're caught in this cycle of, well, you, your life is consumed by all of these distractions. And in order for you to continue that lifestyle of these distractions, you need to work your ass off in order to do it. And when you just pair that back, you realize, wow, how much you don't need that stuff. Like I, I think of uh, fight club where uh, Edward Norton is in there and he's talking about how like they, there was no TV in the place or whatever, or cable or something. Yeah. And he said, after a month, like, like you don't even, he's like, I didn't even remember it was there. You've, you don't even, I got something to share about that. So yeah. when I was, uh, 17, 18, I moved out with my dad to Vancouver and, um, you know, I was fresh out of high school and I was just in college and, um, and we moved out to Vancouver and, uh, and he was like, yeah, we're not getting TV. And I was like, what? We're not getting TV. Like, I grew up on TV yeah. <laughs> I and mean, watched a lot of TV. Right. And, um, I was like, really at first I'm like, whoa, like what am I going to do with this? Right. But yeah, like after a month or so, I, you know, I just got used to not watching TV and, um, you know, I, I, uh, started putting my time and energy into other things. Yeah. Um, and it was a really powerful thing for me. And, and, you know, my whole relationship to watching TV, I, I mean, I still don't get me wrong. I will watch a great show on Netflix or I will buy a DVD set and I'll watch that. But I, you know, the the only commercials I ever see anymore when I maybe turn on a YouTube video and I see like that first five (laughs) seconds before I can skip the ad, you know, and sometimes I don't know how they do it, but some of them force you to watch 30 seconds. And I just literally, I'll be like 30 seconds. Okay. I'm going to distract myself for 30 seconds with something else. And then once I hear that ad stop, I'll come back to whatever I watch. I don't even hear the ad. I don't even know what the ad was about most of the time. So it's all useless as far as I'm concerned. But TV cutting that out. I stopped watching TV casually. I started only yeah. watching TV from a very specific, you know, poignant thing, a more intentional thing, Yeah, yeah. more intentional. And, um, you know, and I, I, there's all these things that we think we need. And then you kind of, when you take away the comfort of it, you start to realize, Oh, maybe I don't need that thing. Maybe I was just like really kind of used to it. Um, and I think a lot of things, a lot of things are like that. And, and, the kind of the point that we're kind of, for, I'm not going to get into that because there's, this opens up in a whole bunch of things, but yeah. the point we're talking about is that if people work less, well, 
if they work less and you don't like, for example, if you just said, I'm not going to pay for TV in my house, right? Well, you cut out a bill like that, right? Now you're not, you don't have to work now as much to cover that television in your house, right? If you don't have to cover that, now you have that, not only that extra money, but if you, you could actually pare back your job, you'd actually buy back your time. Yeah. And I think, um, the, the, the problem is, is that people don't, we don't learn two really important lessons in our education system. One is we don't realize and learn that our time is the most valuable thing in our entire existence. Mm-hmm. We don't learn that it isn't pushed on us. Um, we're, you know, and I've heard people call, um, you know, education system, government daycare. It's basically just a way to get, you know, young people tied up and focused on something long enough so that running around the streets wild, which in a certain way I can understand the value of that in a society as yeah. a whole. Fine. That, that, that's maybe a more cynical look at it than I would, than yeah, I would I, myself I'm do. Just saying but I've yeah, no, I, I, that, I right? appreciate what you're saying. <laughs> so, you know, so we got, we got kids there, you know, they're, they're taught to like, okay, well you block off your time and you do this from this to that. So you've been training since you were in kindergarten until like, you know, until the end of high school. And then if you finished through high school, and you went to college. I mean, it's the same thing. You just block off time and you do that. Right. And so what ends up happening is we start to, um, block off time because we feel, Oh, well, we have to do this thing. And we're not really taught that like, you know, your, your time is the most valuable thing. Right. And so then the other thing too, is, um, we're, we're taught to spend. We're actually encouraged to spend as opposed to encouraged to save. And it sounds counter to everything we've learned when someone says, save your money. Like most people don't save their money today. Mm -hmm. And, and most people don't understand why they're in debt and why they're struggling. But like we're, but it's not that save is the wrong word. The right word that students should be taught or young people should be taught is the word investment. Mm -hmm. We, we need to look at our life as an investment as opposed to saving because like, you know, every dollar you make, let's just say that you make $10 an hour, you work some Joe job, you make 10 bucks an hour, whatever it is. If you take that $10 and you spend every 10, every dollar of that 10 for that hour, you made no money. That's what people don't realize. Even if you paid for your house, you paid for your electricity bill, you paid for your phone, you did all that. You actually made no money. You spent everything. And we only, the only money we make is the money we pay ourselves. This is the rule that wealthy people understand. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm and it's sh- been told for years and years and years and years. The, the richest man in Babylon, read that book, yeah. you know, and, and you know, and, or the wealthy barber or something yes, like that. Right. Some of those old, old gems. Yeah. And the thing is, is that, you know, the p- important thing is, is that when we start investing in ourselves, we start paying ourselves, and we start valuing our time, our whole life changes. And you know, it, it really does. It really does. Because you're not in a place of scarcity. Right. Cause you're like right now mind. you're in, if you're spending every dollar you have, if you're using all your time for work and your you're not investing in your personal development, you're, you're always in survival mode. So of course you're never going to have time for your art or your creativity. Yeah. And you mentioned that earlier, right? Like as long as survival mode is covered and I totally agree with that. If your survival needs are covered, like, and that's really just food, water, shelter, clothes, um, but we, I mean, yeah, once you have clothes. some, once you have some clothes that, that fit you like, it <laughs> so, and it's hard because, you know, certain people have maybe different, um, variations on what's survival, but okay. Like try and get it down to as minimal as you can, right? Once your survival needs are covered, you know, then you go from survival into a mode of thrival, but we've 
um, in society, we've been taught to raise the bar on our survival to so high that we can't even maintain survival. So we never even get into thrival mode. And so part of the problem is, is, is we're actually in thrival mode, but we don't realize it because we've been taught to like basically need so much to survive Yeah, that we're so dependent on so many things that we never actually get to express ourselves and like flourish. Yes. And that's where artistry exists. Artistry exists in thrival mode. It does not exist in survival mode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can take, you can take trips there. I yeah, think can, yeah, like the yeah. thing is like, there's, there's something to be taken from <laughs> all experiences of, of our, of our lives. But, um, and, and to express, but again, I think sometimes we go into those places to, to learn something. Right. right. And then we can, we can come out and in our work as artists, we can, we can challenge these things. We can, we can raise some questions about things. I think that's one of the often overlooked elements of who we are and what we do as artists, no matter what medium that, that falls in. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, it's part of our job theoretically, and maybe seeing as how this is a this appears to be a conversation on rules. I guess you could disagree with me. (laughs) You can challenge this, but in terms of the, where a lot of the origins of, of artistry originates, I mean, we're supposed to ask questions and we are supposed to challenge things through our work to make people think about something. Right. Right. Otherwise we're just more distraction. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, it's been an interesting conversation because I really, you know, I really see, um, a lot of the the disorders that we have in our society as, um, you know, uh, they're, they're like, they're kind of giving light to things that, that, um, the, the system can't control anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, the order can't control. And so you take a kid and you say like ADD, right? Attention deficit disorder. Well, if, if I'm on a date and I'm out with somebody and they're bored out of their mind and they're looking off at the bar and like, I'm talking to them and they're and the conversation is just like not funny. It's not interesting. It's not whatever. And they don't have attention dis- deficit disorder. Maybe I'm just boring as shit. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like, so maybe I need to yeah. up my game to like, you know, to figure out a little bit more about how to connect with them. So you take a kid that's got ADD and you say, well, you got ADD. Our system's perfect and you're fucked. It's like, no, maybe the kid is looking at your stupid system and your system isn't good enough. And they're thinking, Hey, you know, there's other things that are more interesting than whatever you're doing right here. Now I'm not now there's the other problem of ADD. Um, kids are getting injected with sugar every day. So they, you know, they're getting these, um, metabolism, body highs and lows. Yeah. Sugars are spiking. Their adrenals are all over the place, right? They're eating terrible food. They're not physically being active. There's all these problems, right? So that's part of the problem of the ADD, right? Which is like, you know, if you, you know, as a human being, you're, you're in a, you're in a human body. I mean, your body is made to move. It's not made to sit there and consume sugar all day. It's not, it's not made to sit in front of a screen all day. It's made to go and like you have, you actually have to do shit with it. If you stop doing stuff, you start to, you start to actually experience, which is known as atrophy. 
your body atrophies mm-hmm. and your, and you don't think that that's going to have an effect on you. And, right? and I also think that in the case of ADD, it's, it's the mind atrophies as well totally. in, a, in a certain way. Um, cause I also think that something like that is also, um, as with many symptoms, uh, I think that they, it's a product of, especially for kids not being listened to. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big problem with kids not being listened to because like, Oh, well you're, you know, you're a kid. Like, like you will, you learn this later, you know, you'll, you'll figure this. And you know, to a degree, there are certain things that I can understand that now at this point in my life, yeah, you know what? Like I didn't have the maturity to understand certain things or, or the, the importance of certain things. Like I had, I only understood that it was important because uh, out of more so of, um, of a societal norm, but I've come to learn some things as I, I wish I had some kind of a specific example, like things but, you wish you learned when you were a kid. Um, well, understood? things that I don't know that I could have learned as a kid. I didn't oh. like, you know, I didn't have enough life in me yet to, to fully get it. Cause I, I do think that there's a degree to which, you know, kids are going to make mistakes and kids are going to be defiant and kids are going to, you know, do certain things and make mistakes and, and will, you know, scream at their parents and tell them that they just don't understand. And parents will, will say, it's like, you'll understand this when you're older. And very often that's the case, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's like, it just takes some life in you. But I think that there, with that said, there's still a large degree to which I think kids just are not, are not being listened to. Mm -hmm. Because when you think of something like, well, kids, you know, he's being disruptive. Well, he's got ADD. So it's just like, instead of someone saying like, Hey, like what's like, what's going on with you? Like, like, what are you feeling? What are you going through right now? It's just like, Oh, he's being disruptive. We got to get this shit sorted out. Mm -hmm. Get him on some drugs, right? Yeah. Mellow him out. Yeah. Right. In addition to, you know, what could be (laughs) a lot of this diet, like dietary and physical things like needs that aren't being met either Mm -hmm. in terms of exercise. And yeah. So it's, but I do think that there's a, a huge degree to which kids are just not being listened to. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, I think you got a good point. I mean, that's the other thing too, is if you grow up your whole life, never being listened to, and then you start to think that your, your point of view is not important, you know, that you feel like it doesn't really matter what you say. And I, you know, (laughs) I think a lot of people feel that way. I think a lot of people don't think that what they say or what they do matters. I don't, I, I think a lot of people don't think it makes a difference and they don't, See, because I mean, so much. Cause uh, that's how, how they were raised. You know, yeah. that's a lot of parents. That's how they were raised. It was like they're, well, and it's not anyone's fault. That's the other thing too, is like, it's not about like when, if you're blaming your mom and your dad for your problems, it's not their fault. It's like, it's, it's a whole system's fault. Like that taught yeah. your parents to teach you to, to, and now part of, you know, part of the thing is, is that we just have to look at how did, how am I contributing to the system? Mm-hmm. It all comes back to you. When you, when if you can go through everybody, you can go, well, it wasn't my parents. It was their grandparents. It was their grandparents, grandparents. It was, you know, whatever. And it's like, when you look at it all, it's like every single person in history, yeah. like big and small, great or, um, horrifying. Yeah. Is a product of us yeah. collectively as a whole. Right. You know, like these, 
like atrocious people and beautiful people are all a product of our world. Yeah. You know, it's like nobody just was, you know, like some people might disagree with me on this, but I don't think that Hitler was just born this horrible, evil thing, right? Like Hitler was a product of a world, mm-hmm. you know, and, so, and this is not to condone any of that. But I think that we have to acknowledge collectively how kind of fucked up that we can make each other. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. Seriously. Like, and I mean, we call each other, we tell each other we have disorders. Yeah. I mean, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and <laughs> you're not fitting in. I mean, it's funny because you know, like you, you take like kids who go and they, I mean, it's not funny at all. This isn't funny in any way whatsoever. I mean that it's, when I said that it's funny and what I'm about to say is, I mean, it's, it's funny that we are so naive and so blind that we don't see that we create the very things that happen that are bad to us. Mm. You know, kids who go and grab all their parents' guns and stuff and then go into their school and shoot everybody, that is not because they're bad or evil kids. That's because those kids were probably bullied and outcasted and told they were disordered and told they were this and that. And they got fed up of the pain. And they're raised in a culture too. Right. Like where it's like, you're looking at the images that are being blasted on the screen, oh, yeah. the advertisements, is, the, like there's this whole crazy culture that's telling you what you've got to be, who you've got to be. Yeah. You know, and if you don't have that, then like, there's something wrong with you, right? You've got to fix that. And then, and then it doesn't help that the shit that you're being sold is completely fucking meaningless. Yeah. (laughs) No, totally. Right. So it's like, what, like, what do you think is going to start happening to people's minds? Certainly not everybody, you know, Um, most of us kind of find a way, Yeah. you know, we start to figure some things out, but not all of us do that, you know? And instead what we like to do is we like to cut these people off from society and separate them and say, no, they're, they're, they're apart from us. They're not like us. And it's like, no, they are exactly like us. And their response is actually in a lot of ways, perfectly fucking normal to what's going on here. Yeah. You know, that's why (laughs) that's, that's, I think that's the reason why I love acting and writing so much because and I guess directing too, in certain ways, if you're a director that works with actors, but, um, well, I love those so much is that you really, to be proficient at it, to be good at it, to, you have to try on what other people are going through. You have to step outside of your own little bubble and, and try on someone else's little bubble and start to see like, how did a person get this way? And especially if you try on some characters that are maybe like the bad guys, you know, that, that, you know, bad girls too, for you ladies out there, but the, the, the people who are, you know, the not, the not so good people inside the people we outcast. And you, and when you, if you, if you don't just play them superficially, if you really try to find mm-hmm. out like, what's this person like, like what's going on for them. And you try to understand it from the place. Why does everything that they're doing make perfect sense to them? Then you start to see like, Oh, well, you know, the, the, if, if I lived this life, maybe I would be that way. And like, um, you know, Joe Rogan pointed out in his, uh, in his comedy bit, he was saying like, we're constantly just 
machines that are kind of equating the world. And we're going, well, people like this, people don't like that. I mean, what if you went through your whole life and it didn't matter what you did, just nobody looked at you, um, you know, in a positive way, everyone just looked at you like you were shit, you know, and some people are probably on the other end of this and they're like, I feel like that. Okay. But what if you walked through life and you just felt like everyone just looks at you like shit and then you had no positive mentors, no, no like reaffirmations that you're valuable or good or mm-hmm. whatever. And I just want to say to anyone else who's on the other line, if you feel like you're that person, I'm going to tell you right now that there is something fucking awesome in you that other people might never get access to hang in there. And, and, you know, there's something about you. You just don't see it yet. Cause I went through major depression and part of my life. I went through, I went through it probably twice in my life. And, um, you know, and I really questioned like, you know, what's my value. And I think, and I think now and I go, man, like we're doing this podcast and people might think what they think, but I think we're doing a really good thing here. And I think I'm glad I didn't do myself in. I'm glad I didn't give up on my life. I'm glad that I'm here doing this podcast, trying to help people to like live their life and find their value and share with them. Don't sell all your time away, you know, value yourself. And, and, and I had to go through the shit to get here. This did not come easy. I did not get patted on the back and told by everybody that I was wonderful my whole life. It didn't happen that way. I was bullied. I was beat up. I, I was scared for my life at times. I thought about jumping off a bridge. This is all real shit. I'm not kidding you. I, I thought about people that I, I wanted to fucking kill them. I was so angry at them Mm -hmm. and I had to heal all that shit and then realize that, man, I was lucky to experience that form of humanity because now I see what people are going through before that, you know, walking around, I was kind of like a little bit of a bubble. I was a little bit of a, like, yeah, like everything's just easy. Right now. I think that the thing is, is with acting and writing, we're kind of pushed to start to look at the darker sides of humanity. And we start to realize like, Hey, like this is all, we're all a part of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and you, and you say this and it's like you, what you're talking about is very humanitarian. And I think, um, artists throughout history have, whether they meant to be, or they're doing it inadvertently have been the humanitarians of the world because it takes an artist to defy the order and also to start thinking outside of this little box we've all been programmed into. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and a lot of artists, you know, they've, they've been beaten up. They've been ostracized. They've been, you know, I'm I'm sure throughout history, you could trace back artists who were probably killed for the work that they were totally, they were doing. And some of them spent their whole life being artists and they never made a dollar because they didn't, they didn't ever, um, maybe they out of integrity, they didn't want to meet the industry or maybe they just defied the industry. I don't know. But sometimes people come along and they're willing to think a little bit and and every little bit that we push on this box that we're in. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think with this, with these conversations, all we're really doing is we're, we're pushing on the walls of the box a little bit because I think of myself and I go, I'm probably stuck in it so much. I can't even see how stuck I'm in it, but at least I'm pushing the boundaries of where it, it is. And, and, you know, every podcast we've had, every discussion, I've pushed the boundaries for myself and the box has gotten a little bigger and my world has grown, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that, um, that's really what we're trying to do as artists and creatives. And I think that's what these discussions are about. But I also think like we need to not just accept this box as what it is. We need to not, we need to understand that there's a whole world outside of the walls that we see and, and we need to break down those walls and you're going to run into another wall 
but you break down that wall and you break down that wall. And eventually you, you look back and you go, man, I've come a long way. Like I used to see the world that way. Mm -hmm. And now I see it this way. But, um, the world we created, if we, if we, if we enforce the box too much, um, you have people who are just outside of it. They're just, they're never going to be in the box that we enforce. And now we don't know how to accept them in society. Cause we just like my, this is my point. We're so limited in our understanding of the world and our understanding of humanity that they don't fit in our box. So we just call them evil cause they're not in our box. And what we don't understand is, is that they're, it's not that they're not in our box. Our box isn't big enough to understand the box they're in. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes I think, you know, sometimes people are in a box where they actually understand our box, but we don't understand theirs. And it's the ignorant person, the person with the small box of worldview that makes the, you know, other people wrong. Cause they're outside of their, yeah. right. Oh, well, I mean, oh, you can just get into all the kinds of ignorant shit that like privileged politicians say right all the time, like all this crap about it. It's like, it's like, well, lots of other people have, you know, pulled up their socks come from like broken homes and they're fine. It's like, well, easy for you to say, yeah. You know, like coming from like a, like a white collar household and like, you know, not, and that's not to say that things were necessarily easy for you, but people, I I think that people just don't understand. And I think that this is also part of our job as artists too, is to help people to understand like why, you know, people who are, I don't know, drug addicts, you know, people who, who are on the street, drug addicts. I mean, we're in Vancouver. We're like, we have like one of the capitals in the world, you know, just go down to Hastings and you see, you'll see some serious fucking pain. Yeah. That's there. And it's like, man, like I am so thankful that I have not had to go through the life that these people have probably had, you know, like to, when you really start, this is like, when you really think about some of the things that these people are coming from, you know, coming from abusive homes, like where they were kids and they never knew a parent where they felt like they had any love or their life, like safe, like we don't like, but we don't, and people don't even want to think about it. No, I think this is the problem. People don't even want to think about how, how destructive and how damaging that can be on us. Like we just, we form so much stuff that we don't even completely understand when we're, when we're so young mm-hmm. and when, you know, the people who are, who are sort of supposed to be our caretakers, the people who are supposed to love us. And, and where, when, when that doesn't happen, like, man, that's, that's, it's, it's a, it's a freaking tragedy. Mm-hmm. And they like, you can see all sorts of stories and, and there's scientific evidence that has shown like, um, like that they've, they've done like with animals and stuff like that, who, if they don't get nurturing from like a mother, they die. Yeah. Like they just die. Mm-hmm. Like even if they're being fed, whatever, they just like, no, like if they don't get that, they're, they just, they just die. Yeah. Like that's straight up. Like, and we continue to live. Right. Well, and, know, but like, we're, yeah. we're just like, we still, we need these things. And it's, and it's, I don't know, maybe we're gone. We've gotten sidetracked. No, I think now we're, here, but I think we're actually right on track because what you're pointing out to is 
you know, something that, you know, you, you said that politicians that say, well, other people have picked themselves up by their bootstraps. Yeah. Other people have, but there might've been things and situations which allowed it to make it possible for them to do it. Whereas other people, although it looks like they're in the same situation are not in the same situation. Yeah. And now I'll give you an example of how that works and what you were just talking about. If, if I'm a little kid and I feel like maybe my family is like, you know, we're living in a trailer park. Maybe we don't even have a home. Maybe we're living on the street, but I feel like I got a parent that's kind of looking out for me that like, even though they can barely provide for me, they still kind of like love me. Even if they're a little mean to me now and then they still kind of love me. I feel like safe. I feel like someone's protected me. Yeah. That could go so far in my life because if someone else is walking around, they might have, they might live in a mansion, but they're getting sexually abused by their uncle and their father and whatever else and some other loser. And you know what? They're going to church and they're getting sexually abused and they don't feel safe. And this person might look like they have everything. And then they go and they become this person that's like seemingly destructive and gives up on themselves and becomes a heroin addict. And the thing is, is you go so much of what like I've learned as I've gone through my journey is that a young person and just a human being in general, and you talked about this earlier, like our survival needs are met. One thing that we need as human beings is we need to feel safe. We need to have at least a base belief that we're safe. Because if you live in a war zone and you could die any day, you know, uh, then you have a different existence than if you do like, you know, we have people who are depressed here, right? But you're going to leave your house. You're going to get your coffee. You're going to come back to your house and go to bed. You're going to be fine. You're not going to die. You know, you're going to be okay. Right. But some people are going to leave their house. They don't know if a bomb's going to drop on their head today. They don't know if they're going to get murdered or shot. Yeah. They don't know if they're going to go to school today and come home. They don't know what's going to happen. Right. And that, that's a different model in which you have to live from. So you're going to be a different person based on that design. And so I think we, we have these weird ways in which we take society and we blanket statement. We go, well, these people came from poverty and that person picked himself up by his bootstraps and that person didn't. Well, maybe that person who picked himself up by his bootstraps, although everything was terrible and he grew up in the ghetto and whatever, and I'm using a male character at the moment, yeah. but maybe that person had one person in their life who was kind of a mentor. You yeah. know, there's this movie, um, it's, it's called, uh, it, was, it won an Oscar back in the day. It was, um, boys in the hood. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a great movie, but his father was a real mentor to him. And a lot of the other kids that he was around don't really have the mentors. And, and one of the things I really love about that movie is, you know, you look at this, you look at this kid and he had, no matter how shitty the situation is, they're all in, he had someone kind of giving him some advice, someone helping him out. You know, that makes a world of difference compared to these other yeah. characters, right? Someone who listened, right. right? Someone who listened and had some compassion. Right. And right? so if we look at it, like, you know, um, I think there's, there's two things. There's one is that if we look at it, we're creating the society in which we live. We're setting the dynamics up for people to have or not have what they, you know, what they need to flourish. And when they become toxic or poisonous or put a little more beer there, um, that's from our observation, it's often because that was set up, you know, by, by society. And I think also the other thing I was going to say is that if you found yourself in a situation where it wasn't ideal and you look at it and you go, it could be better because we can all do that. Yeah. 
Don't make yourself a victim to that situation. Just understand that today, from this point on, you got to start building in your life those things that are those things that are good, those things that will help you flourish. But I don't think we should ever be like, oh, I was dealt a bad bad hand, so I should just do this. But maybe someone, maybe it's this podcast, I don't know, someone told you, just just don't give in to that. Just go the other way. You know, your your situation could be horrible. And and I and I've gone through my hardships and I'm certain that I haven't even experienced close to some of the hardships some people have experienced. Oh, yeah. I'm not even gonna con- I'm not even gonna try to compare. But ultimately at the end of the day, one thing I learned through my depression was that everything's relative. Because, you know, I used to say, well, my life's not as bad as like this. It's, not, it's you know, and that was how I was trying to get myself out of it. That's not a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. And and I realized that everything's just relative. It's like the pain that I feel might be the exact same pain someone else feels. And they might look like they might live in Beverly Hills and live in a mansion and have a sports car or someone who lives on the street and they're heroin addict. But the pain, the hum, human pain that we feel might be the same for all three of us. And so the thing is, is not for us to, um, is, is not for us to compare ourselves as like, Oh, you feel more pain than I do, but to look at it and go, okay, we, we all feel that together. That's what makes us all the same. And now we have to, we all have to champion our situations in our own way. Yeah. And, and not to and judge champion each other too. And not to judge the person who lives in Beverly Hills, just like you don't judge the person on the street. Yeah. They're not, not neither is better and neither like doesn't have uh, like both have a hard struggle in a certain way. We yeah. just don't see it. Yeah. 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 I think what we're really talking about today is we're talking about, we're, we're talking about getting beyond the rules and starting to look at the human element. Right? Yeah. Cause I think that's the problem right now. I think in society we're trying to, and rules are like very like blanket ways of categorizing things. But I think we're trying to go beneath the rules and or beyond that and kind of look at like, what's the human element in all of this? Mm-hmm. That's and, where this discussion seems to be going and, for me. And to see how I think, I think also how looking at these things and challenging these things becomes, um, crucial to the work, the, the work that we do to creating meaningful work. You know, this is just one of the ways in which, you know, we can, we can do something like, yeah, sometimes, you know what, like <clears throat> art is simply just to be something beautiful you know, sometimes it's just simply to be something absolutely beautiful. Sometimes it's, it's, um, it's to make somebody laugh, you know, like just to, just to spread some joy to people, you know, that's, there, there's something very artful in that. Um, but sometimes it, it's making people think mm-hmm. about something, raising some questions about things, maybe shining a light on, on a real dark part of our society, Right. right. That people don't really want to take a look at. Yeah. But or they don't know to take a look at or don't know to take a, take a look at. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's all important. Like they all, they, they all feed sort of to me, like the, what is human evolution, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that it's, it's important for artists to actually understand what their role is in human evolution. You know, I think, cause like I, and that's not as any sort of thing of arrogance. I think that we, we all are contributing to that mm-hmm. in our own ways. It's just for artists is to understand that we are doing that. Yeah. We are, we are participating in that. We are sharing work that is supposed to, that is supposed to shift us 
in a way and that is supposed to move us to connect us to our humanity, to connect us to each other, you know, to, to push for something better, mm-hmm. right. To make our lives better. I mean, like there's, there, the world is not a perfect place. The world has lots of, of darkness in it. You know, like there's, as we've been discussing, there's, there's people in man, just like <clears throat> oceans of pain. Yeah. Right. And, and there's still, and we're still turning too much of a blind eye to why this is happening, why we're doing that. And, and we can exercise some, some compassion and expression and, and really, really stir things in people to make people see something differently and, and treat each other differently. Like we can, that's, that's within our grasp of as artists, but we have to first be willing to engage with that ourselves. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's interesting. Like this is what we're talking about. Like you take that show, say breaking bad, right. Yeah. Which is arguably one of the best shows currently to date that has ever been made. Yeah. You know, at least they're in the crime drama, crime thriller area. I think it's, it's, it's brilliant. But it holds up amongst (laughs) just about anything. But you take, um, Eisenhower, Eisenhower, was that his, was this, no, what was his name? Heisenberg. Oh, Heisenberg. Yeah. Heisenberg. <laughs> someone, <laughs> Eisenhower, someone, it's <laughs> like, what the hell? No. Yeah. Heisenberg. So you take anyway, you take that character, right? William White, uh, you take him. And if we found out about him in the news, we'd be like, what a, what a terrible, what a terrible guy. I mean, that's how society's the situation is, but because Breaking Bad takes you through the story and you understand where he came from, that he had cancer, that he, you know, that he was, and we see that he loved people and that people loved him, Yeah, you know, (laughs) and that he didn't feel good enough and that he wanted to be valuable. I mean, there's all these things about him that, you know, you can start to relate to. And then when you start to understand the story, I mean, if you, if you watched Breaking Bad and you got into it, you probably liked him, you know, you probably actually sided with him and wanted him to you know, wanted to see what he'd do. Well, every person has this story before we find out about them in the news or something, Yeah. you know? And so like, but we have this way of society of like, we, we don't look at the entire story of like, how did that person become there? You know, mm-hmm. how, what happened to get them to that spot? And like, yeah. like, and why did it, why did it make perfect sense? Because if you watch Breaking Bad, you start to see the things they do based on the situation they're in kind of make perfect sense. Now I know yeah. this is a, fictional story. It's made up and all that, but, but there's enough that's kind of slice of life about it that makes it plausible. Right. And, and that's the thing. I think that's, you know, we have this phenomenon right now in our culture where people are fascinated with television shows because we, we, and we love to see the character arc. We love to see the development of a character and the development of a character is a lot about what we're talking about. It's like beyond the final result, like what, what happened? What were the reasons? What was the story going on for that person, you know, to get them to make the decisions they made, Mm -hmm. you know, and you, you know, you look at like, uh, say there's, you know, there's a lot of corrupt police officers in Mexico right now. And like Turkey, apparently, um, and like certain countries, there's like a lot of corruption going on. Well, and there even was in New York city for a while, you know, before yep. Frank Serpico, but anyway, oh, the, there's corruption here in, in Canadian police. Okay. So you, too. you know, you take these people and I'm not saying what they're doing is right. And I'm not saying it's good, but there's a story for them that got them to be in that position. And like, uh, you know, 
um, Frank Serpico, who exposed the New York Police Department for being on the take and all that corruption. I mean, he got shot in the face and nearly died. I mean, he he did everything he could to stand up against that. But a lot of those cops who who weren't Frank Serpico, who were on the take, a lot of them were just scared if they didn't go on the take, they either lost their job or they'd get killed by these other police officers or ostracized. And so, you know, I'm sure a lot of them quit and some of them stayed in it. And probably some of them like took a little in the beginning and they justified it and went, well, it's not so bad. We're taking money from criminals. So, you know, like we're the cops, we're the good guys. So we should get a little extra on the side. Why not? You know, and like, that's how this stuff happens. And, but when we see it and we go, oh, they're corrupt. They're just terrible. They're bad eggs. You know, they weren't bad eggs. I mean, what ended up happening was they got into this situation and from whatever life they came from, it made sense for them to continue along. And so I think like when we start, when we start looking beyond these, like, uh, the way everything's supposed to be. And we start understanding how things get to where they are. Yeah. We can start to like work and start to see that there's a whole trail of things that led up to it. Yeah. Kind of like the cause and effect situation, right? Yeah. Well, this has been good. Hey, let's, let's introduce this beer. Yeah. You bought it today. So go ahead. I did. And Um, uh, it's called, what's that? Um, lot. Um, 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 lot. Yeah. I thought it was, um, um, Lau. Um, um, I don't know. It it's, was, it was from Brassnick. It's from Brassnick. I, I, I kind of jumped in. Umlaut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Umlaut, which is actually just a, um, is that how you say it? Umlaut? Yeah. Which is actually umlaut. Maybe it's pronounced umlaut. Umlaut. I'm looking up cause I searched it up and it's like, it's not actually a type of beer. It's just a German word. Oh, uh, what does um, it mean? German or Hungarian. It is, uh, it's a mark used over a value to indicate a vowel quality. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so it's, um, but this is a half, half this is actually half yeah. of Eisen, um, from brass neck and they are always delicious. Yeah, they are. It's definitely a half of Eisen. I mean, it's got that kind of thick, uh, kind of cloudy, cloudy look, yeah. you know, but and this a, is a, a little bit of a, you know, a dryness to yeah. it in a way. But this is quite a rich hef. Yeah, it Like is. it's quite rich. Like it's, um, which makes it kind of nice for the, the time of year. Yeah. It's, I guess so. Yeah. It's a good beer. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I find brass neck ro- never really does us wrong. No, <laughs> no. They always have so many good beers. I mean, and, and I say this every time we do a brass neck, but they just always have so many different rotating beers. Like every time I show up there, I'm like, there's so much stuff I've never tried, which is one of the kind of neat things about them. Whereas I don't, when I go to brass neck, I don't go there to necessarily get the same things. Although sometimes they'll have certain staples that will stay consistent. I usually go there because I'm planning on trying a few of their different brews and, and, uh, I feel like you got to go there a lot before you've had like a good variety of what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is I think you have to go there because I don't think that they, they do kegs or anything. Like you can't find their beers on tap, like in restaurants in the city. It's like, if you want it, you've got to go there. Although I have, I think I have found, Oh, they do features at other breweries sometimes. Oh, okay. Cause they did uh, at steel and Oak. They did a feature. They did, um, they're passive aggressive or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. They had done some sort of a joint venture or something. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, brass necks, a, a, a popular yeah. brewery on Maine. Do it. 
The umlaut. Umlaut. Umlaut? <laughs> umlaut? Some, somebody who's like of, of German descent is yeah. just being like, oh, you guys. <laughs> Brutal. Um, yeah, so uh, well, why don't we wrap this baby up? We did pretty good here. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we kind of wrapped some of this up a little bit. Yeah. But we'll, we'll take another pass at it here. Let's do one more. So, um, well, we started off talking about this oppos- oppositional defiance disorder. Right. And, um, you know, I want to, I want to kind of put out the argument that, um, you know, being a little defiant and being a little like disordered is probably a good thing right now for our society. Not because, um, you know, it, it obviously doesn't help everything dysfunction perfectly. But the thing is, is like, I think it, you know, if you don't just do it because I'm just going to do the opposite of what society does, but you do it from a place like, let's just hold on a second here and question whether this rule or this thing that I'm supposed to do, or this way I'm supposed to be is really the optimal best way. And I think like we could all benefit a little bit from being a little bit like oppositional and defiant and disordered compared to like the way the world's going right now, because I think there's a lot of things that are in place that are really stupid. Yeah. And I think that, um, as human beings, we don't need to just be robots that follow orders and don't think for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, at the same time, I think it's important to understand the value of having order. It's important to understand the, you know, you don't need to be in opposition to everything. And, and sometimes defiance is just, I'm just going to do the opposite because you told me to do this. So I'm going to do the other thing. Yeah. I think so. So I think on the, on the reverse, it's not about one's better than the other. It's about seeing the value in both. It's about be- seeing the value in being orderly and it's about seeing the value in being disorderly. And I think sometimes, you know, you might not know the reason to be in order and it's a, probably a good safe bet to just be in order for the most part, because like, you know, like, uh, for example, if you're in a, in a theater and, you know, everybody's watching a movie, um, a, you know, a disorderly thing to do would be to have a conversation with your friend while the movie or the play is on. Yeah. I mean, that's just not or to be on your phone or something like right. that. Yeah. And that's a certain, there's kind a of, reason for it. Yeah. That's a disorder. Right. And so like that's being disorderly and that's, you know, if you look at like, that's kind of damaging everyone else's experience yeah. and selfish. Right. But I think sometimes being disorderly is not selfish and it's not about disrupting anybody else. It's about being critical and thinking about, you know, is, is this thing something I really think that I want to do or fit into? Well, you know, it's like, it's something, I think a big question that you can ask yourself when it comes to those things, like, well, are you just standing up for yourself or are you just standing up or or are you standing up for it for everyone? Yeah. You know, like it's more, is more, or is there more person involved. There's more people who could, who could benefit from, from, by being represented through your voice. Right. You know, is there a lot of people who you think are feeling this way? And like, you're like, then, then yeah, maybe challenge something. Maybe there's a basis for, for why you're incredulous about this whole sort of thing. But sometimes it can be an ego thing. You know, it's like just being defiant for the sake of being defiant. And, you know, there's, um, I mean, that's a whole other thing that you could go through and yeah. Well, there, you know, but um, in podcast, uh, 13, actually, we talk a little bit about this. So I recommend people go back to that. Um, but we talk a little bit about like, you know, if, if artists and, and just people in general, if we stop comparing ourselves to each other mm. and we start like, stop looking at who's better and we start just looking at how we're adding 
You know, yeah. like what did this person bring versus what did this person bring? It's not like who's better or worse, but like, like we all bring our own thing. And, 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 and I think when people are defiant and they're like, I'm defiant, I'm better than everyone else. Everyone else is sheep. Everyone just follows the orders, but I don't, you know, I, yeah. I, you know, that's all ego. That's bullshit. You know what yeah. I mean? But if you start looking at it and go, you know what? I'm noticing that people around me are not really thinking about this. I'm going to draw some attention to that. Let's wake, let's all of us wake up. Cause I think when people look at themselves and they go, other people are sheep, but I'm like a wolf or I'm the shepherd. Yeah. You're, you're totally egotistical and arrogant because we're all sheep. We're all the wolf and we're all the shepherd. Nobody is one or the other. Like people aren't born sheep and people aren't born the shepherd. It's like if you're the shepherd and you, and you act like that, like in just this weird little yeah. analogy, it's because you've been taught you've been taught that you could actually help guide people and lead people. And if you've been a sheep your whole life and you've been following kind of the crowd, you just never realized that you actually had the power to guide the crowd. You never realized that you, you know, or you could eat them (laughs) like the wolf. (laughs) Not to say that you would. Yeah. But I mean, I think, I think like real, like the great sort of leaders are the ones who, who help people, um, and want people to sort of be at the same level. Yeah. You know, as opposed to trying to hold themselves over, over others, but to be like an oppressor, like, yeah, to be like an oppressor. It's just like, no, no, no. I want you all to like, you know, worship and admire me and whatever. And like, I'm always going to keep you at an arm's distance. The real leaders are the ones who are just like, come join me. Yeah. Right. Like, well, people don't realize what leaders are today. Like we've actually, and that's part of the problem with the school system. Cause we we're taught the teacher's the leader and it's like, because they're the one with the power. They're the adult. They seem to know, they seem to be the educated one. And it's like, it's, it's a messed up model because now people look to leaders to like give them the answers. Mm-hmm. But like the leader is, the, you know, some of the most powerful leaders are people who are not always in the position of power, but there's someone who kind of gets people to go do stuff. Like if you invite everybody to a movie or you invite some friends to a movie, you're a leader, you know, it's as simple as, Hey, I, you know, everybody like, why don't we do this? I got this idea or let's guide people this way or whatever. And I, I think, um, the best leaders, they don't see themselves as different. They see themselves as the same. And through seeing themselves as the same, they know how to find that in everyone else. And everyone else goes, this person um, I recognize myself in them and they're willing to take, um, you know, they're willing to kind of go somewhere and I, I like where they're going. So I'm going to go with them. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed to like, I better do what they say because if I don't, I'm in trouble or I'm not, yeah. I don't fit in or something. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, <laughs> so it's a good, good chat. I don't know if I have really anything else to say. Okay. You? I, yeah, I don't know. I, it's just, I guess the last thing I just want to say, it's like, it's in, you've probably heard it a billion times before, but I mean, it's your life. Yeah. Like this is, this is your life. And, um, there's so much meaningless shit. And if you're letting this, yeah, challenge and question rules, you know, like, and that doesn't mean, you know, just be defiant, like you said, but like, question them, really consider them and say like, what is this upholding? Yeah. What is this? And, and, and you're, you'll start to discover that a lot of these things are inhibiting you. A lot of these things are, are 
stopping you from being expressive and, and fully creative and alive. And that's bullshit. It's bullshit. Especially if you're an artist, it's absolute bullshit. So start to clear some of that stuff out of, you know, clear those weeds out. And in that respect, um, because it is, it's your life. Nobody really knows what, you know, what's the right thing for you to do. Nobody really, nobody can tell you that nobody can tell you that. So get on with it. Get on with living your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all I got, Evan. (laughs) (laughs) So you finished off nice. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.